0: episode of Midweek Mentions. I'm Anthony at Stiano in Brooklyn. We've got with us tonight Mayor Matt. What up Ant? Schweitz up in Canada. Howdy. And special guest Jeanette from the West Coast. Hola amigos. Hey. Welcome. So how's everyone doing? Good?
1: So far so good. Let's get Nobody... started.
2: Outstanding. All right. you're, I guess you're still in a small unmarked van and in, in parts uh, that we can't share, right?
0: Parts unknown, yes. I'm uh, I, I'm blurred for uh, the safety of others.
2: What is with all the duct tape and the lime in the back of that van? I don't know what that's for.
0: Why are you wearing a mask? Because <laughs> I'm a conquistador.
3: Ah, uh, well, I mean, COVID obviously, safety first.
0: Yes, obviously. All right, Mayor, let's go out to you, start with what's your uh, number one topic this week?
2: Well, I've got, uh, as usual, a million topics, but if you're going to limit me to one, uh, I have to do this. This past weekend, this will mean more to only the, the hard, hardest core and the folks that are in our group chat, but we had a, a world record most Lauer Rangers in one room at one time uh, this past weekend. We had five of us from our group were able to get together in uh, outside of Atlanta, and uh, Yeti was uh, and his lovely wife were kind enough to open up their home to uh, me, Lou, and then we had John in Miami, who's uh, unable to be with us tonight, and we'll be thinking about John, and then Barrett, were all they were both up from, from Florida, and so we all got together on, uh, which, which was a Sunday night, had a nice meal, and like I said, Yeti and his family were gracious hosts, and we, it was just a fantastic time getting to uh, be right there with everybody. Uh, how did Uh,
1: did that come together who who reached out to who there
2: well before all of this uh covid stuff started well i guess it wouldn't have been during that but when we got on the tail end of it yeti lives outside of atlanta on the uh north eastern side what's his address lou or slash bruce is more of the in, in town kind of on the southern southern side and then i'm on the part so uh we had said, we're going to, we got to meet and get together at some point. And then, uh, John had, had cause to be up in the Atlanta area. And he asked if, uh, if we were, if, you know, if we were getting together or if there was some way to, to meet up and lo and behold, it just fell together. And then, and then Barrett had reason to be vacationing in the Atlanta area as well. So he asked and it just, again, dumb luck kind of matched it all up. It was just some, the stars aligned. It was a fantastic time and it was great to put, uh, faces with folks. I do have a question for you based on a, a question that Schweitz, you had asked before we started recording. And that was about each other's height. Because in Zoom meetings, it's hard to tell people's sizes, uh, for the most part. Crazy. Uh, I want to know what I'm going to start with Schweitz. Because I want you to give me the ranking of what you think there was a photograph that Maybe accurate, maybe it's not quite so accurate, but I want you to rank the people from tallest to shortest at that particular event.
1: Hey, I'm going to say uh, Yeti, followed by yourself, Mayor, Lou, Barrett, then John. All right. And
2: what
0: do you say? So I'm going to keep Schweitzer's top three, but I'm going to switch John and Barrett. No offense, Barrett.
2: All right. Jeanette, any guess for you?
3: I think the tallest would be Mayor Matt, Yeti, Lou, John, and Barrett last. Okay.
0: And so what's the answer, Mayor? (laughs) I'm not going to say. (laughs)
2: I will give you the top three because it is a little theater of the mind. Uh, Yeti, Yeti, yes, is the, is the tallest. Uh, I would say I'm second tallest, but from there, I'm going to have to just let you guys maybe hash it out in the chat. You'll just have to figure that one out.
3: So a top three, that's actually a top two. two, that's a strong. There's a
2: top five. That's actually a top two. Unanimous. Three, four, five, I don't think any of you got it right. How about that?
3: Ooh Interesting. Yeah, yeah
1: I, I I have an idea. I think Yeti has said on, on his pod before how tall he is, so that's why I knew that one. But I sort of just picture that basically everybody in the in, in the group chat, with the exception of Flem, I picture as, you know, six foot down to like five nine, and then I just sort of fill in the blanks in between. And I know that's not accurate, but like that's just sort of because I that's how I see everybody sitting
0: down. And uh, yeah. So I'm going to be a little self deprecating for a moment. I had, along the lines that we we're talking about, Schweitz, I had a very unfortunate scenario where I went to the doctor and it was a new doctor. So they measured my height and I was literally an inch shorter than I was like a year or a year and a half ago. And I was just like, oh my God, I'm shrinking. And I wasn't tall to begin with. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Anyway. So if I was in that photo, I would definitely be the shortest guy there. And uh, I think I'm taller than Flem, but I think we're closer than I wish was the case.
2: I I went to the doctor. It's funny you should mention. I don't want to get too personal, but went to the doctor and, um, you know, he said, you know, I got to talk to you about these, you know, did all the measuring and all that stuff. And I said, I mean, let me guess. It's the weight, right? And he said, no. He goes, actually, it's your height. And I said, what are you talking about? He says, well, because. I'm looking at this chart and for how much you weigh, you should be eight and a half feet tall.
3: (laughs) (laughs) That was a a joke I had had a long time ago in the group chat. It's like, I am, I'm just short for my weight.
1: Great way to say it.
3: Yeah.
0: Love it, Jeanette.
1: Love it. No, but that, that photo when uh, I think Yeti posted it first, but that made me really happy. Just didn't expect it. It's like, all these people are hanging out. That's so cool. Yeah. Again,
2: great time had by all. Uh, I do want to throw it. I'm and, and I'm sorry, Ann. I'm I'm gonna throw a coup and take it off because Jeanette, you brought up something uh, before we went in your topic. I don't. I'm I'm hot on that topic too. So I want you to get to it.
3: Right. So over the last couple of days of show, um, you know, as they always tell us, they're proudly Cuban, proudly Miami. So whenever issues arising with Cuba, um, are paramount and forefront in Miami in Florida they of course make it onto the show and you know Dan will remind us of why freedom is incredibly important to him as a child of you know refugees and his you know parents and grandparents story so um I know for the most part there are people that will tune out to that because they don't like the tone or whatever it is right they're just like okay we get it we've you know a million and one times we've heard it before but for me, I particularly, I, I listen, I don't tune out um, because, it, you know, I'm a first generation American. My parents fled, you know, a country of no opportunity and no growth for them to come to the United States to build something for themselves and a family if they ever wanted one. So to an extent, I can uh, empathize and sympathize with their story, you know, if my, my parents have the ability to return to Mexico and it is secure for them to do so. None of their generational properties have been taken from them. They haven't had to go through the atrocities that we've heard described where family members are kidnapped and for working against the government the previous governments where family members are assassinated tortured, never heard from again so to see what is playing out right now um for me, makes me incredibly hopeful to see Cuba enter a new face of freedom, but it's also just because we're the 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 images that we get, although it's mostly from the side of the people fighting the police forces, and you kind of sympathize with this you know small revolution going on it there is worrisome when you see that... are larger, you know, the government is still much larger and menacing for them. And yesterday I watched um, our local news coverage on Univision and how, you know, the the government, the Cuban government is releasing plainclothes uh, people into the streets to try to blend in and arrest people or whatever, right? Um, How they're taking people and... You know beating them to death and it's being captured on video and how Cubans in Florida are trying to uh get together and they've you know gotten supplies to try to take back to Cuba to provide aid and comfort and our own Coast guard is telling them we can only let you guys go out so far and if you try to go after that, we're gonna stop you because it's an unauthorized voyage so even in the attempt to go back it isn't it would be to impossible but then again these people when they faced the challenge of coming to the United States it was probably also impossible at the time and somehow they made it so for those people that are summoning up courage and all this other stuff to try to go back to, to Cuba and be a force for good for their families for their neighbors for people they don't know that they're tired of hearing stories of suffering my energy everything goes out to them and i hope they are successful and i you know enough is enough like the everything that has been imposed on these people has not has only made them the situation much worse in cuba the government has only gotten much more extreme and it just it shouldn't continue to go on this way and if if it isn't us that can do something then I, don't, I really don't know who else can intervene and provide you know, safety help for those people.
2: Yeah, and, and again, it's, it's a difficult it's a difficult issue. It's only been around for, oh, I don't know 50 years or so, to say the least. And you know I, I am one of the people that will typically tune out depending on the topic. I th- but this is one that again, I don't think there's a political line. That is to be drawn. I don't, I don't think it's one side or another. I mean, if you are if you are enjoying the freedoms of this country, you should want freedoms for anybody. You know, you know what it means to be freer to enjoy things, and to be able to have the right of self determination or just the ability to take care of your family, or the opportunities that are that are afforded uh, in this country. And I think Canada's got pretty much most of those too, right, Schweitz. Um, <laughs> But I, I, I do think that the challenge does become, and Billy touched on it, is what is the role? And I certainly don't want to get into a political discussion, but it's the thing that's a challenge is to say we need to do something. Well, let's if you get into the history books a little bit, it was the United States that put Castro in charge to save them from Bautista. So I, I almost feel like we may have to sit. I think freedom that is earned from within has a much better chance of succeeding than freedom that is imposed. We've seen country has tried to do that in another area of the world, and it's just not accepted that way. And I said I wasn't going to get political, but that's about as far down that road I'll get. But, again, uh, I actually reached out to uh, Ant. Uh, I, I, wasn't, I was not really unaware of that. So that conversation was really helpful to me. And then finding him on Twitter uh, with the hashtag SOS uh, Cuba. And seeing the videos that he had posted, I I reached out to him and DM'd him and thanked him for the show. I thought it was very helpful and uh, and informative. And, and he got right back with me. So I do appreciate his responsiveness with that. But yeah, Jeanette, the, the videos are absolutely heartbreaking to see uh, what one government is doing to just want an opportunity to take care of them.
3: Yeah, and then when it's things like you know, you know, certain parts of the of the nation can be blocked out from the information. So we'll allow this part of the country to have internet Wi-Fi at this particular time, but wherever the manifestations, the revolution, the you know the, the people on the streets are, that's where they don't get it. So the fact that they're trying to control you know the, the influx of information, but it we're, but people are still getting it through whatever means they are is incredibly impressive, and much more pressing as to the 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 calls of action and the frustration that is being ex, you know expressed out of Florida right now.
2: Does Univision have a presence in Cuba, or they're they're reporting from outside? Um,
3: the, from what I saw, they have people. Their main headquarters are in Miami, but you know how there's like the like we'll have reporters that are stationed a bureau reporter in moscow and stuff like that so somehow they they have someone there but then i'm guessing even their access has to be has to be limited and and what they shoot and however it's being being put out
0: yeah i i very much so very much so um i would just like to say personally as someone who hasn't had to fight these atrocities, whose parents haven't had to fight these atrocities, my heart goes out to them. And I actually, I mean, Cuba is such a complex issue for a multitude of reasons without having to go down it. I enjoy when Billy speaks on it, when Ann speaks on it, when, you know, Mike spoke on it today or yesterday. You know, not even just Dan talking about what he's gone through, but the other people in the shipping container, talking about their experiences and what their grandparents or their father or their parents ha- ha- have sort of gone through, and I mean, you know, it's 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 hard even in the freedom DUMB area of they can go as long as they want. It's still hard to sort of take an issue like Cuba and how do we break this down into twenty minute segment? Never mind a three minute or five minute segment. So I always appreciate when they try to go after these more complex issues because it's 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 hard to do and you know whether people like it or not you know as dan has always said sometimes i'll make you laugh and sometimes i'm going to force feed you to stuff that you don't want but you need to have so oh schweitz go ahead Um, i was just
1: going to say like you know i come from a a line of ancestors who fled various countries to you know for religious persecution and, and things like that before coming to the u.s and you know, now I'm an immigrant to a different country, but I'm on the completely other end of, you know, I'm not fleeing anything. I have complete freedom. Like the country I'm coming to is just as open and easy to navigate as the country I left. So yeah, like it's really, you know, when they talk about Cuba on the show, like that is the, the biggest window I get into what's going on and how like, you know, how things feel locally in Miami. And I think it's really important. I think it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily fit the show's style at times. And people seem to get mad about that, but this, that's the, you get a platform. This is how you use it.
2: As Dugatz would say, it's an important conversation. I'm glad we're having it. (laughs) Uh, And and again, all four of my grandparents got off the boat from Italy. So, and I know, I don't know how many generations your family uh, has been in this country, but I mean, I still, I mean, my grandparents and my great-grandmother, I mean, they all, they spoke Italian. My my mom grew up in an Italian-speaking household, and, of course, I can't speak a word of it, but, I mean, (laughs) Aunt, what about you? I mean, so that, that pride of being from somewhere or knowing that you have ancestors that, and, again, they weren't running from people. I'm not trying to put it on equal footing as those that fled Cuba or fled religious persecution. They simply came, you know, wanting better for themselves, but Aunt, how many generations uh, do you guys
0: go back? So here? I had. So I'm only half retired. My my mother's family is Irish and German, and they came here. Th- I think three generations ago. My dad's family is a little weird. My great grandmother was born here. She went back to Italy and had my grandmother. My grandfather came here, settled, found a place, got a job, and then was able to go back and get my grandmother to come, and join him. But. So it's a little bit of a weird thing, but going back certainly these couple generations and, and speaking of the whole Italian speaking household, it's very funny, my grandmother used to, if she was someplace where they spoke Italian, she would speak English. And if there was someplace where they would speak English, she would speak Italian just to sort of like, be a pain in their ass basically, for lack of a better way to say it.
3: Yeah.
0: <laughs> or she'd pretend like she'd go in a restaurant where she knew they didn't speak English. I mean, she knew they only spoke English and she would walk up there and start speaking Italian. As if like, you know just to sort of be that person so i sort of loved her for that in, in many ways but you know let's go back to the fun stuff mayor what do you well, got for another topic well,
2: and actually the um I'll, I'll come back to this one but actually the topic i wanted Jeanette to talk about was the ariel hawani stuff but um so thanks Jeanette. <laughs> but no I, and i'm i'm gonna make everybody in the podcast group angry with me i've mentioned sunday night we had this great time and um Lou was saying, hey, just remember, we've got a we've got our podcast to record uh, Sunday night, so everybody's got to kind of get settled in with that, and we recorded. Well, Monday I'm listening to the show, and Roger Bennett was on, uh, and I was like, man, this guy is so fantastic. He is, be, he is quickly becoming one of my favorite interviewees on the show, one of my favorite recurring guests. And I'm like, man, we have got to get him on the podcast. We have. I would love to talk to this guy and just tell him how much I – yeah, that was, <laughs> that was Sunday night, no one on yeah. it was.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Roger was great. Roger was great because I mean, A, he gave us his time and he was more than happy to, to you know, talk and interact and was, was was, you know, he was very much like, you know, as we all sort of know, what Dan does creates this community of empathy and love and friendship and you get all these different people coming together who, you know, hey, all of us who, you know, a year and a half ago didn't know who the hell any of us were and now are sort of you know, talking all the time, every day, every day. So Roger was great.
2: And it's just an opportunity to check out that podcast because Lauer After Hours Group has dropped that very quickly, a recap of the Italia versus England match that uh, went the way of of our, I guess, our ancestral homeland. uh, So, (laughs) yeah, so check out that other great podcast, uh, great interview with Roger Bennett. I listened to a portion of that already, and you'll want to check out the whole thing.
3: Roger Bennett just seems like in any type of role that requires speaking, he would be wonderful at, Um, you know, motivational speaker, guidance counselor of any sort. Uh, You know, he could have his own show on on PBS and teach the alphabet to young children. It would probably be like the (laughs) Peppa Pig phenomenon where all of our children would have, you know, British accents. Because the way that, not to give too much away, but, you know, there are some people that will tell you why being a fan of a certain team is just completely heartbreaking and they will revel in it. But he gives it to you very softly and part of that must be because he's incredibly empathetic to the struggles of England, English soccer. So he's just like, I can either stomp on your heart or I can carry you as my, you know, brother or sister of team failure and I'll... I'll, I'll just be cool about it. Let's just both, you know, enjoy this moment. So I loved it. Every time I hear him, I'm just like, he he makes me laugh, he gives me hope, and he makes me think about a couple things. Um, still not too sure about Budweiser, though. And
0: he's a master. He did our podcast. He did a podcast for our podcast. He was on MSNBC at 7 a.m. He did Levitard, and he did, like, two more hits in the afternoon. He was all over the place. He just He just loves... I mean... Loves to talk in a good way, like he waxes poetic, he's very passionate, he's he's yeah, he's he's someone I definitely enjoy listening to on our podcast, on Lebatard when he does Men and Blazers, all that
3: stuff. He's one of America's greatest treasures. <laughs>
0: so let's keep it moving here and let's uh let's talk about Hawani. What did you all think of what he did on the show and how he sort of went and uh, you know, what he had to say, Jeanette. Wow!
3: So this was just like a, a. This has just been not a good week for ESPN culture, ESPN brass, whatever, whatever is in that, that machine, because you go from the Rachel Nichols, uh, Maria Taylor stuff to Ariel Hawani and you know Stephen A. Smith. So, uh, you know
1: Stephen A. Smith twice. <laughs>
3: Yeah, the tone, the tone deafness over there, and just the prioritizing. I mean, it is a you know, it's a corporate environment, so obviously it's prioritizing money viewers over talent because talent is replaceable, right? As employees, we know that. But to but when it comes to not even common courtesies and things like that, or sticking up for your employees when you have the muscle to do it, the literal muscle in MMA to do it, uh, it's just a great deal of cowardice. Because to have someone that, that you're like, we have to escort you out of the room because that guy doesn't want you in his point of view. And then even the security working the event is shameful in doing that. And Ariel maintaining his, his dignity throughout all of that I couldn't... Like, I don't know. It's a different environment, because I, I I don't know, like, how he just never threw a hissy fit and just always decided to be professional in those circumstances. It's incredible. Because, like he said, they never promoted his show. So I don't know what well... Maybe, and, you know, he... I don't know why. He's just stuck out his contract, and now he's doing something else. And... It just, it just seemed like just another hit for ESPN in, in a bad couple of days that they've had.
2: Staying true to himself, to me, was, um, was the big thing I took from that. And, you know, again, we're saying that ESPN had a bad week. Let me tell you one really good thing about ESPN. That's Marty Smith. And I'm on my second time going through his audio book of Never Settle. And if you haven't listened to that, I would tell you it is well worth – the $20 for the audio book just to just to have it and uh, a lot of great life messages. And one of those is a conversation that he had with Tim Tebow talking about exactly. Don't let anybody define you. you be who you are. You know, none of that noise even really matters and, you know, pursue your own dreams and do what you want to do. The only things you can control again, you can't control what people are going to say or how other people are going to treat you, but you can control how you, react to it or how you don't react to it and that's what ariel did on the good side and um that the only downside of ariel is i'm and we'll have to segue later to this but the the samson slamming on on this entire thing has got to stop and i'm sorry i may be in the minority on that but there's this um his, his he had to work in some stuff about samson that i did not appreciate right there at the very end
0: well, what I would say is I agree. I, I, you know, it's in in 2021. I think it's very refreshing to see someone like Ariel Helwani, who is himself. He's not apologetic about it. At the same time, he works hard. He reports well. He like he's not a Yahoo. He's someone who you can look at and say, no, that guy's doing it right, and that guy's doing good work underneath how he's doing it right. And I think for him, that's just for me, that's too that's two cars or two feathers in his cap, you know, compared to sometimes you find a guy who's really good at what they do, but they're a little bit of a or vice versa. He's very solid and he's also able to laugh at himself, which I think is a quality that is missed very much. You know, he was having to go back and forth, yelling at Dan, well, if you would have offered me more money, maybe I'd be working for Metal Ark right now. I just was like, it was really enjoyable for me. And you know, this goes back to the way the show has transitioned. I like the ability to go for 20 minutes. 25 minutes and take a subject and go full, you know, and, end and not go for 10 minutes and then have to come back and, okay, do we go for another three or do we not? Because we had to do a break. And so I'm really, but anyway, I really like Ariel Helwani. I don't agree with anything he has to say, but I do like the way he says what he says. And the fact that, you know, the, the hard work he needs to put in. And I mean, he's a better man than I, because I would have not have been able to just sit there and bite my tongue over and over again, as I'm trying to do my job, the guy is doing his best to basically make my job as hard as possible. Schweitz, go ahead. What do you got?
1: I mean, I agree with uh, with everyone's sentiment here. Um, if you've ever worked for someone who just didn't, you know, you were under contract, but uh, the writing was on the wall, that you knew the boss didn't like you, or, you know, you weren't going to get hired after that contract, then, you know, that's, that's a really hard way to go through things. And obviously for Ariel, like MMA is – what he's known for he is synonymous with that he is really good at his job he is you know if someone says MMA media to a casual person they think Ariel Um, also Canadian so it's extra extra feather in his cap um, but yeah he handled that very maturely I love that he came on in the mask and did a did a pro wrestler thing and I don't think like even with you know sharing and and sort of spilling the tea on everything he still didn't do it in a rude way he didn't ins- he wasn't insulting to Dana White he was like he still kept his composure and that was, it was just really impressive to see somebody handle themselves like that
2: well on the fact that he said he's done more you can make a case that he has done more for MMA than Dana White has I'm not a Dana White fan I'm not really an MMA fan um, but You're a Joe Rogan fan uh, yeah, yes when he was on news radio absolutely but the, <laughs> the truth of the matter is when you, when you take a look at what he has done to promote that sport from its very early beginnings and done it in a way of providing professional journalistic integrity and fair coverage to it um, I, I think you can make a very good case that he's been probably the most important person in MMA even more than that guy that's paying the fighters 18% of the take
3: If that, yeah, when he was talking about those figures from the gate and he's just like zero I was like, I was like, I was expecting at least like 5%. So when they were playing the game, like, going to be maybe five. It's like zero. It's like, oof. Like, you hold, like, hold up. Break my leg in front of the whole freaking world. Right. I get nothing. Like, nothing from the gate. Come on now.
0: Sadly, that's why a guy like uh, McGregor is still so popular for the sport because he brings eyeballs and makes them money whether he's necessary I mean you know I'm not a huge MMA guy either but he certainly got the carnival barker sort of uh act down pat Mayor, I see you shaking your head
2: yeah it's it's one thing to be a carnival barker it's another thing to be talking about another man's wife and I'm sorry there are things you just don't do and I
1: or husband
2: I think that I think it's way over the line I, I I have zero tolerance for that I think it's disrespectful uh, to drag them into it and uh, especially the the content to which he is claiming is authentic I just I have zero tolerance for it and nobody really should
1: So bear would you say that makes you unhinged?
2: No it doesn't make me unhinged I don't care enough about it to become unhinged but I think that there are societal I don't want to let Pam down Schweitz um, I, I think there are societal, Rules and norms, especially in the fight game. I mean, don't talk about other people's children and don't talk about other people's spouses. It's pretty simple. I mean, if it's it's mano a mano, and you know what? You ought to just keep it focused right there without dragging family into it.
0: And what I would say is not that I was disappointed by him saying it because I do think it was disgusting. He's shown he can hit you with like good jabs verbally. So it seemed sort of like low, way too low-hanging fruit to make that completely off-the-cuff comment about, you know, the guy's wife, et cetera.
3: I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had told my sister, like, the comments. I was like, if I was Dustin's wife, I would have take, taken my big-ass purse and hit him in the other leg. Like, there you go. Put that in your <laughs> DMs.
1: Hit him in the butt. point. What would have been really
2: good is, you know, when he was getting out of the ring and when was leaving the ring, and the uh, and he would McGregor was talking about taking it out in the parking lot. You know, he kind of turned for a second, like he was going to go in there. I'd love for him to sit there and just pummeled him while he's sitting right there on his keister, uh, you yeah. know, in, in the ring, unable to get up. Like I said, yeah. you can you could say whatever you want to about me, but I'm telling you, you say something about my you say something about my wife or my daughter, uh, I yeah, will uh, get unhinged. I will get unhinged at that Schweitz.
1: has, has anybody ever, uh, trash-talked you to the point of getting unhinged?
0: Ooh, good topic.
2: I mean, And again, when you've got, when you've got the truth on your side, there's, there's no real reason for it. There, there are certainly detractors in the kingdom, but, uh, you know, I think you just kind of have to stay above it. And, you know, the old thing about don't take advice or don't take criticism from anybody when you wouldn't go to for advice and go from that. Um, you know, if you can, there's two things you got to do every day. You got to look yourself in the mirror in the morning and you got to put your head on the pillow at night. And if you don't do anything that makes either one of those things difficult, just kind of go
0: from there.
1: I don't look <laughs> in the mirror in the morning. Are you kidding?
0: You are a better man than I'm You are definitely a better man than me. So when I Not I, that you, I've gotten unhinged often, but I've certainly gotten to the point where I've gotten unhinged.
1: When I, when I used to be a bouncer, so I was a bouncer for about six, seven months at university just as a, on the weekends, uh, to supplement my other job. I, you know, I worked one of the doors. I was one of the smaller guys, but, um, that's because they were all six, five and, you know, you throw out all these drunk guys and as you're throwing them out, they will just say everything they can to insult you. And I would just laugh. And that was a problem because if you laugh at someone who's trying to insult you, they start trying to swing at you. And so I would always have to make sure I was standing right out of reach as somebody else was throwing them out the door as I laughed at them. But it, it just used to crack me up because, like, it was just so—it just, just such ridiculous stuff, people would say.
2: Drunk is going to drunk, and guess what? A <laughs> stew is going to stew. And <laughs> stew went full stew in Salt Lake. How
3: about that?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. We wouldn't want it any other way, would we?
3: No, of course not. I mean, that couldn't have ended any other way than what it did. It's very much predictable for Stugatz to have worked the Tahoe trip into a lacrosse mitzvah and try to leave ten seconds <laughs> into the Friday show. um yeah, and then I just remember like when the whole thing of like they were tweeting about the earthquake and they're like. Five uh, 5.9, 5. 5.9. 5. And I sent a DM to Jeff and Powell and I'm like, that is absolutely nothing. I'm like, that's mild. I'm like, that doesn't even wake you up. And they were like, yep, yep, they probably just freaked out. They're Floridians. They don't know what's up. And then there, the one damage was the one light that came out of, like, the socket and a broken plate. Absolutely. 5.9, absolutely nothing.
2: But was it 5.9 where they were, or was it 5.9 at the epicenter of it?
3: At the epicenter.
2: Yeah, so it wasn't even a 5.9 where they were.
3: Yeah.
0: I would like to add, going back to the whole Stu thing for a second, I loved how angry Witty got. How And and it didn't seem, I mean, so much of what they do tends to be a bit, Witty seemed generally like, oh my God, I can't believe Stu is actually Stu. And everyone else is like, what do you mean? Of course he was Stu. He's Stu. Like, I just sort of loved that. It was sort of like, not necessarily Witty's first experience with Stu being Stu, but I, I just really enjoyed that because Winnie was like grinding teeth, like mad, like, Oh my God. Like, it was his know.
2: first experience. Cause to this point, he was kind of like the grandparent. He can see it and it's cute, but Mike, you know, Mike and Dan are the ones that are having to corral him. And everybody else is trying to point him. He was actually the one who was the lead handler for that whole thing. And he was out there on his own. And now he was, he was the parent and not the grandparent. And he was the one that was getting the brunt of all this. And it, it overwhelmed him pretty quickly i think it's hysterical
3: (laughs) yeah i do i do because what i see happening in that situation is that you know winningham probably volunteered to be like the lead organizer for the event because he was like you know they're they're the talent they're gonna just golf and schmooze so i have so me i'm the level-headed one i'm gonna jump on board i'm gonna take the lead and i'm pretty sure that tony and Co- and Cody were like, oh, you get to wrangle stew gods for like X amount of days and we just get to golf and edit and make sure that we have Wi-Fi? Cool. So, he, you know, he thought he was being super honorable, like living up to the profession, to his title, to his paycheck. He had no idea.
0: <laughs> Most definitely. Well, I- we're going to land the plane here as we uh, tap off a little bit. And so... Once again, thank you for joining Midweek Mentions. I'm Anthony, at Stano on Brooklyn. We have Mayor. where can we find you? Uh,
2: I don't know where you can find me, but I'm seeing that tarp behind you in the van. It's starting to move a little bit. You might need to hit it with
0: a shovel. need a little more chloroform. (laughs) Schweitz, what about you? You can find me at Jort Center. (laughs) Jeanette, our honored special guest, where can we find you?
3: Well, first and foremost, thank you guys for having me. Um, I'm sorry for having brought it down a little bit with serious subjects, but it was fun kicking it around with the menches. And I am at J-A-Y-H-E-R-1-7 on Twitter. And don't forget to check out uh, the interview with Roger Bennett. It is five stars. It is gold. It is worth your time.
0: Very well said, Jeanette. And go ahead, as Mayor would say, check out all our stuff. We've got a lot of stuff. You can find us at Lauer After Hours on Twitter and Instagram. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. And thank you for joining us. We'll, we'll talk to you next week.
2: Right, listen to anything with Fleming. It'll make you feel smarter.
0: And taller.